Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Trey Brockbank, and I'm going to introduce him in a second. I just wanted to read another review we got on Apple, and I appreciate all of the you that are giving reviews. And this is from Manda Jones, and she says, One of my favorite podcasts. It is so needed in our communities and congregations. Thank you for having these needed conversations, sharing these important stories, and bringing us a valuable resource to learn. Um, I am an ally and love our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters. So thank you, Manda. And that's really the goal of the podcast is to bring voices um, like Trey, who's going to bravely share his story as a gay Latter-day Saint, so that all of us can listen, um, which we're doing on this podcast, so we can learn, which we do by listening to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, which is what President Ballard asked us to do when he said we need to listen to and understand what our LGBTQ members are feeling um, and experiencing so we can do better than we have in the past and so all feel they have a spiritual home. That's paraphrasing his quote from BYU in November of 2017. So no one can donate to this podcast. We're not going to get into the sponsorship game. There's no money trail here. This is just a labor of love on my part as I've um, listened to stories of our LGBTQ LDS members. And I've tried to honor all those stories. So just by way of introduction, um, and some asks, and I may do a podcast, just a personal update, if you know people from church headquarters reach out to me and either don't like what I'm doing or do like what I'm doing, and I don't get any feedback from church headquarters. I have to assume at this point that if they didn't like what I was doing, then my stake president, who I ask this question to every now and then, would tell me. So I think um, I think anybody that's concerned at church headquarters would recognize that I'm trying to do just what Elder Ballard asked us to do. I don't advocate changes in doctrine or policy. I'm not critical of the church and its leaders, but I do honor pain. And if someone tells me a painful experience, I do honor that the pain that an LGBTQ person may feel and still sustain our leaders. So for any of you that are joining the podcast for the first time, just a little bit of overview of who I am and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, But way of introduction, Trey is um, on this July night. He is actually on his way to San Diego. I think he started in Rexburg. Is that right? Yes. So Trey is going to pull an all-nighter as he leaves his podcast. uh, I don't know what time, local time, you know, it'll still be light outside. It's one of those long summer nights and is on his way to his home in San Diego. But just by way of introduction, this is Trey Brockbank. Um, He is 19. He's a native of San Diego. He is part of an active LDS family um, with, I believe, a a couple brothers and a sister. He is gay. Um, He came out as gay in his high school years. We'll kind of talk about that. Um, He has been a student at BYU-Idaho. We're going to talk about his experience in particular coming out to his roommates at BYU-Idaho and and some good things that happened there. Trey is transferring to the University of Utah and will start school there. Um, Trey's going to talk about just his experience with the church coming out and also talk about stereotypes, some of the things that guys like me had concluded. And it wasn't until I heard people like Trey tell their stories that I understood some of the stereotypes that I had developed um, were not correct. And there's a lot of stereotypes. We just sort of create this narrative around a gay man or a gay woman or a trans person. And there's so much individuality within each LGBTQ person. And as we've done hundreds of these podcasts, you've come like me 
if you've listened to them, to realize every story is different. And um, Trey is active in the church. He has a deep testimony in the church, but he also would like to marry a man one day. And yes. we're just going to kind of talk about that. That obviously um, takes him outside the doctrine of our church, and I'm not inviting anybody to, like, if I were Trey's bishop, I'd probably, I would invite Trey to stay. Um, all the good in my life comes from living the teachings of the church, but if Trey felt like he was going to pursue a path of finding a husband and being married, I'd say, Trey, I'll walk with you on that road. My relationship you with won't change. Yeah, you can't fully participate in the church. I don't quite know how that's going to work, but I'll just, through agency and self-determination, honor the path that you feel is right for you. And I'd say stay close with God. So I just want our listeners to kind of know the big picture here as we um, get into Trey's experience. So Trey, I haven't let you do any talking so far. Anything <laughs> you'd like to correct from what I shared? No. Sounds perfect. Thanks. Um, Trey offered a great prayer before we went live and we visited for about 10 minutes. And I just want our listeners to know this is just another great young man with a wonderful spirit about him, a spirit that doesn't feel any rebellion to me, any desire to just not to not do what's right in life, just is trying to make his way forward the best way he knows how, and is trying to hold these two truths with him, his feelings of goodness about the church, and also a feeling that he would like to spend his life with somebody. So um, talk about you know, grow, growing up in San Diego, I, why do I think everybody grows up in San Diego spends um, mornings at the beach <laughs> and weekends at the beach? Did you do that, or were you a beach guy or not, Trey? <laughs> yeah, we went. To, yeah, we went to the beach a lot. There was this one summer in particular where we would just like go to the beach like three times a week, and we used to have FHE at the beach, <laughs> and so it was really fun. And were you what kind of type of wave person where I'm not even using the right language because I'm thinking of <laughs> bodyboards. I'm thinking of, I can't even remember the vocal, different types of way to take waves. And so I body surfed. Body surfed. Yeah. Two um, fins, one fin. <laughs> no, so I just. No fins. No. So I literally, yeah, I just went with myself and <laughs> I would just go out in the water and I really love just getting like thrown around by the waves. Did it you? was really fun to me. Yeah. Did you, did, how about sharks and stuff? Not. Not really worrying, especially in San Diego. They don't really migrate there that much. So, yeah, we went to Newport Beach, north of you, every summer growing up. And, you know, my, when I was your age, we were trying to figure out because we're Salt Lake City kids that don't know anything about the waves. And you local kids we were always embarrassed yeah. because you can do everything. And you could just tell we were out of towners <laughs> just making fools of ourselves on the waves as we, you know, did bodyboard. I mean, I don't know what we did back then, but I got thrown away, but it wasn't enjoyable. And I'm, <laughs> but tell us, just tell our listeners um, coming out as gay when, and usually um, someone sort of realizes this about themselves or they tell other people. So talk about when you inwardly reflected, I'm gay or I have same sex attraction. I'm just kind of wired differently. So um, throughout middle school, I was, well, I, I just, when I went through puberty, I like, I saw everyone else starting to think about girls differently, whereas I started thinking about guys differently. Um, and it was very strange. I definitely tried to deny it as much as I could. And I would, I would say to myself, like, oh, like you could find a guy attractive and still be straight or like, um, I just, it didn't register that they were crushes to me until about like freshman year. Um, in that, high school. Yeah. 
high school. And so that's when I started realizing like, oh, like this is more, <laughs> um, especially being in California when it's very um, kind of normalized or in a way. Um, so I was able to kind of accept that for myself. And that's around when I came out to my mom. So. And you were about 15 when you came up to your mom? Yeah. And so I assume there's like this three years or so when you've kind of a realizing this about yourself before you came out to your mom. Is that roughly about right? Yeah. So middle school was like when I was convincing myself I was straight. And then freshman year, I had like the realization I told my mom. So Talk about your emotional health during this, these three years before you talked to your mom. Were you okay emotionally or was that a really hard time for you, Trey? So throughout high school, I was like very depressed. Um, yeah. I, and even go back to middle school this time before you came out to your mom. Yeah. Um, so middle school was, it wasn't that hard because I was in denial. And so it was just kind of like, um, I just convinced myself it was like just attraction and nothing more. Like I just thought they were handsome. Um, and then, yeah, so middle school wasn't that hard. So middle schools, tell our listeners why you decided to come out to your mom. So basically, um, I had a rough day at school that day and because everyone was saying that I was gay when I didn't want to be back then. Um, and it was kind of a rumor going around school. And um, so I was sitting on the couch, just kind of sad about it. And my mom came up to me and she's like, what's wrong? And uh, I was like, well, people at school are saying this about me. And she was like, um, she's like, oh, like, what are they saying? And so I told her and she was like, oh, well, that's not true. Like, you don't, you, sh you shouldn't listen to rumors or whatever. And I was like, well, what they're saying isn't completely wrong. <laughs> and so she just she started crying and I was crying and it was hard for her at first. She's grown a lot, but, um, it was definitely hard for her to wrap her head around. Um, one of the first things she said was like, she's like, so when you're at a steak dance and you're dancing with a girl, like you feel nothing. <laughs> I was like, does anyone know? <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, and then right after I told her, she took me to the bishop. I had that conversation. And basically just the same things bishops always say, just like don't act on it and stuff. Um, that wasn't the advice I needed to hear. Um, Why? It just, because it made me feel like I was a, like a freak kind of, or like, Nothing against my bishop, obviously. I love my bishop. Um, but at the time, I took it as such. And it really, like, messed with me. And I understand, like, that view of it. Like, don't act on it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'd, I'd much rather someone be happy and acting on it than dead, you know? <laughs> like, because I came pretty close to our high school. Um, I had a big problem with self-harm and stuff like that. So it was not easy, but. 
Thanks for being honest yep. and just talking about this, Trey. This is pretty tender stuff to talk about coming out to your mom. And um, Are you glad that you came out at that time to your mom? Because it sounds like it was it was less proactive in the sense you resolved them and have this conversation with your mom, and it was more just situational. You had had a hard day. She was there, and it just sort of happened. Are you glad it happened? Yeah, I'm definitely glad I came out at the time I did. Um, uh, why? Because it's so much better than, you know, like finding out like, or I guess not telling them until like senior year of college or like when you're on a mission or something like that. So I definitely think I came out at the right time. And I think it's caused me to kind of be more like mentally mature than a lot of gay Latter-day Saints that come out when they're you know, on their mission or something. Um, you know, it takes a lot of, it's, it's a long process. And so I'm glad I was able to sort through that through high school rather than like college and like my adult life. Cause I feel like that would have been a lot harder <laughs> to do, but high school is just kind of like, eh. <laughs> Talk about coming out to your dad. Did you come out to your dad close to that same time? So, and other family, I believe members. my mom, yeah, so I believe my mom asked me, she was like, can I tell your dad? And I was like, sure. Um, she told him that night, and he kind of just said, like, are we surprised? <laughs> like, and he was kind of like, we, we've kind of known this since he was a kid. And How did that make you feel? Did that make you feel good or bad? Um, it honestly made me feel pretty good because um, I don't really like having, like having people being shocked by it. Not many people are because I kind of, don't hide it but like um yeah i i actually preferred him saying he knew and it wasn't like this big thing like it was with my mom um but yeah so it's good describe your relationship with your parents now they're really yeah it's really good now so um throughout high school obviously i was like telling myself i'm gonna marry a woman i'm gonna like go down the church path and then the senior year was when I kind of started questioning that, questioning my place in the gospel. Um, oh, so at, but at the same time, I couldn't deny the spiritual experiences I was having. Um, for example, EFY, I went to that for five years and the experiences I had there, I could never deny. And so I was just in this kind of rough place where I had such a strong testimony of the church. It was just that thing that was just kind of there that I was struggling with. Um, but senior year was when I kind of understood that when I prayed and when I was begging God to take this away from me and when I was begging him to relieve me of this or help me, I realized that it wasn't really God telling me not to do it. It was, it was the culture of the church that was telling me not to do it. Um, so that's just, I came to that realization and I kind of just got this feeling like I may do this way for a reason. And I realized that sounds like controversial or like, um, but that's just, I, I can't deny what I felt. So 
I'm glad you're staying close with God and getting personal revelation from God because that is core doctrine that I believe in. Um, and I want to go back. To, I want to go back to, you know, if any local leaders are listening and have somebody come out to them as gay, it sounds like you love your bishop, but how, what could he have said that would have been better for you without sort of saying, I mean, you can't, I don't think a bishop can say, well, go get married to a man <laughs> yeah. as you come out. Yeah. Casey, you know, he needs to, like I try to really believe in is stand, stand and support the doctrine of the church and invite everybody to live the doctrine of the church. So without crossing that line, is there anything you could have done better? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's not like at the time it was just hard for me, um, but he's, he's a great man and like, he definitely did it better than so many other bishops would do. Um, so I'm so glad of that. And he did you keep, did you have a relationship with this bishop? Was he your bishop for all of high school? And did you keep yeah. visiting with him and talking to him? Yeah. So yeah, I talked with him quite a bit. Good. He's, he's a great guy. So good. Yeah. I, yeah, I like, I just like hearing these stories. It helps me understand what I could have done better and how we could do better. And um, so I don't, yeah, I just appreciate you sharing your stories. Yeah. Um, talk about your emotional health and why you, and use self-harm, which is a really good clinical term to describe. Um, and I'm viewing this so that you can speak to other people that are um, experiencing feelings of self-harm or engaged in self-harm. Because I sense talking with you before the podcast, you're in a better spot emotionally than you were during some of your high school days. So talk about why your journey resulted in self-harm. A lot of it was just insecurity. Um, and now I'm a lot more confident in myself. And um, yeah, the, I had really terrible days because I just... It was just, it was myself that was causing it. It was no one else. I mean, I didn't really get bullied. Um, I was kind of my own bully. And so I, would, I was just so hard on myself. And I just took out my feelings of anger on myself. And I just, I look back on that. And it, it's just, it makes me so sad because I could have been so happy if I just, accepted myself and just but it's a long road and it's a long road for a lot of um mormon lgbt members and i'm grateful that i'm in a better spot now i still have um a couple times where i struggle and i um even last month i relapsed it wasn't that bad but um and that wasn't because of like my feeling of self-hatred it was just because i went through a breakup but um talk about that feeling of self-hatred just back in high school yeah. when you were hard on yourself was that because you were gay and you just and you wanted to be straight was it because you just felt broken and a mistake because you were gay and you're in a society that's better, very heteronormative um were you angry at god i mean just kind of is as you've looked back on that period of time, what's any thoughts on sort of the source of being hard on yourself? Yeah. Um, I definitely felt that I was a freak and I remember that was one of the first things I told my mom. I said, 
like, I'm sorry for being a freak. And of course she immediately was like, you're not a freak. And, um, but I, I couldn't get that thought on my head. And for so long I was angry at God, which I look back on that and it makes me so sad because God is all loving. And I wish that. Why were you angry at God? Throughout high school. Why? Um, just for making me this way, I guess. And, um, I was just kind of like, it seemed so pointless at the time. And it, it didn't help that my dad was pretty sick. And he, so he has stage four prostate cancer. Wow. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, um, that didn't help. (laughs) So it was a lot of just, nights of crying and begging and it's like it was such a toxic mentality I had where it was just I don't know I just I wish I hadn't thought that way um thanks for answering that question and I just you know on behalf of our listeners and myself Trey thanks for surviving high school Thanks for being alive. Thanks for choosing to live. The world is a better place with you here. Thank you. There are people that love you, and you have a great life ahead of you. And I, I like you talking about those years because I know a lot of our listeners, some of our listeners are in those years or helping people in those years. And I just, it's interesting you use this kind of term freak a little bit. Um, that's a pretty tough term for anybody to use on themselves. And I know you don't feel that way now, but I, I valid, I validate that you felt that way. Yeah. And even the, you kind of come back to the Bishop comment where he said, just don't act on it. And which is our doctrine. And I, I give you the same advice, but I think we have to sort of feel like you, you, who you are is who you're meant to be. And you're not a freak. Um, and this is the way, you know, God created you and you're, you know, his son and, you're worthy of his love and and you're not a mistake. You're not something that went awry. So that's what I'd try to communicate to you if I knew you in your high school years and and sort of um, try to help you feel um, no shame when you look in the mirror for who Trey Brockbrink is and not and see yourself as a son of God who's created the way he's supposed to be created. Um and and it, but it probably just takes a while to come at peace with who you are. So I don't fault you for feeling that way, but I wonder what we can do better to help more of our LGBTQ members not feel that way. Um, some become the hyper, hyper religious or hyper religiosity is the term somebody shared with me. And it's sort of, they become sort of overly religious <laughs> to sort of as a way to um, either mask this from other people or to overcome it by making endless deals with God. And that then is just a really downwards and a horrible because you can't change who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you feel more broken and potentially self-harm yourself more. Any more thoughts about high school years or self-harm or what, anything that was helpful during those times to help you get through that? Um, I just wanted to go back to the self, uh, don't act on it comment really okay. quick. Um, I didn't mean that as like as a super like bad thing because I know a lot of people do that. 
Um, I think the problem was just, again, like my age and like how vulnerable I was and that like didn't help me at that time. I think, and I also think we shouldn't paint it as like my way or the highway. Like I think you can say like we would prefer you do this, but people are going to make their own decisions at the end of the day. And so why not help them make their own decision rather than just saying this is what you have to do and then them hating themselves for it and then eventually making their own decision. Like, I think we could just save the self-hatred and just say, well, we would prefer that you don't act on it or prefer this, but we can't stop you. You have your agency. I think that would have been a lot more helpful to me rather than just kind of like, this is what you have to do. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be shady. I'm just saying how we all can help with this. So. That's helpful. And I, I think of, I'm thinking of some of the train, some of the prior guests and one of the guests in as his advice to his priesthood leader, um, or family said, you know, instead of reminding him of the doctrine of our church, because I think you knew the doctrine of our church, my LGBTQ friends universally know the teachings of the church. They're aware of everything any leader said yeah. on this subject. They're like walking encyclopedias on this subject. So generally, you know, in an interview, I would probably do the same thing. I'd probably invite you to, you know, continue living the teachings of the church. I'd probably feel like that's my responsibility. But I might ask questions like, you know, Trey, tell me about your experience. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what church is like for you as a gay Latter-day Saint. Tell me about your good days, your hard days. Tell me what Heavenly Father's telling you. I would ask really open questions um, to get you talking to me about your experience. And so I could just have more insights into you if I had priesthood responsibility for you and where you are. That's some of the things, just thoughts for our listeners. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so um, I definitely had a lot of good days at the church. Um, EFY was a major one, um, like I said earlier. Um, it definitely, if it weren't for EFY, I don't think I would be an active member, or I don't think I would be a member at all. Um, I went to it for five years. And Where did you go? Did you go to Provo or different ones all around? So I went to Provo the first two years. And then I went to Palmyra. Cool. Yeah. And then I went to Nauvoo, Illinois. Cool. One of our kids, a couple of yep. our kids went to Nauvoo. That's like so cool. Mm -hmm. And then I went to BYU-Idaho the last year. <laughs> so. Which was your favorite? Definitely Palmyra. Palmyra. That was... Why? I had some of the most exper like spiritual experiences of my life there. Share one of those. Will you share any of that with us? Um, every day we'd have a gospel study in the sacred grove. And I just want to stop right there. What <laughs> Trey just said, we have gospel study every morning in the sacred grove. Yeah. It okay. Was, <laughs> it was amazing. And we'd have lessons in there too. And just like seeing it was just amazing. And I just felt the spirit so strong. And we also went to like the Book of Mormon publication site, which I also like, it was so amazing. And like seeing like still had like ink splatters on the wall and stuff. And 
It was so amazing. And we actually saw Dallin H. Oaks there. Wow. <laughs> he happened to be like he was on vacation and he went to Palmyra for his vacation. So that's cool. Yeah. And he was like wearing a full suit and <laughs> it was awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think EFY is awesome. I think there's some changes the church has just announced this week <laughs> about EFY that I haven't quite yeah. kept track of. And that's uh, maybe another podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a huge fan that <laughs> you'd like to see if why continue yeah um i just because it's more ward and stake oriented now and i don't really like that because i think part of why i liked efy so much was because it pushed you outside of your comfort zone and you're meeting all new people and you're there alone or with a friend and that's it and so that made it it made it social but at the same time personal because you're not surrounded by people you know. And I don't, it's just kind of sad. Like, I, I mean, I get wanting to make it more affordable, but I just think I'd rather have them like get rid of some activities or something rather than like change the uniqueness of it. But I mean, I, I just, I, it's kind of like a youth conference now. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I have loved, we've loved EFY first. Yeah. Our, I think all of our kids have gone to EFY and some of them we started to do these out-of-state EFYs mm-hmm. and have a really awesome experience and those instructors in the spirit and I love that. So um, talk about your decision to go to BYU-Idaho. So I tried community college for a little bit, hated it. <laughs> so then... um I didn't really have any other options because like, oh, I don't want to go to an expensive college. Um, and I didn't like community. So I guess I'm just kind of stuck. So I ended up going to BYU-Idaho. And I kept telling myself like, like Trey, like you won't be able to like find a boyfriend or whatever, but like that shouldn't be the main focus of college. Um, but then being there, I mean, I made some amazing friends and I'm really grateful for them. But Um, it's just kind of the whole honor code thing that I just like can't get behind. So, um, and a lot of people are like, well, like you're just going to the U so you can like get a boyfriend or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's kind of just the idea of something telling me how and like, like how to live my life that I don't really like, I guess. When I when I have like felt contrary to that, you know what I mean. So yeah, so that's why I'm going to the U. But I'm grateful I had that time with BYUI. Go um, back to high school. Were you emotionally in a better spot as you left high school? Yes, I was. And what? How did you? Do, what would you say was the way to get to just better emotional health? Um. I don't know if time was just on your side and you just were more at peace with who you are. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was definitely a family therapy, relationship with God. Yeah, I think definitely a big part of it was maturity and just kind of growing up. Um, A big part of it was also the spiritual experiences I've had and what I've felt about who I am and, um, stuff like that so sorry i'm saying i'm a lot but (laughs) you're just fine podcast anything goes (laughs) talk about i know second semester at byu idaho you came out to your 
to your roommates. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many roommates you had, and that was talk about coming out to BYU Idaho roommates. Yeah, so the good ones and the good experience, and the bad experience, wherever you want to go with it. Yeah, so um, last semester was pretty rough. Um, I think my roommates knew, and I think they told like my bishop or something, even though like I wasn't acting on it or whatever. Um, because when I was getting my endorsement renewed, and this f- was your first semester, or your second semester. Yeah. So after, well. I was getting my endorsement renewed for this semester. Okay. And so um, when I was getting my endorsement renewed, the first question he asked me was if I was acting on homosexuality. And I was like, that's interesting. I'm pretty sure he doesn't ask that to everyone. And so I think my roommates like told him, which is like really weird, <laughs> um, especially because I wasn't like doing anything. Uh and then I also had a, an experience where people made assumptions about me and they thought I was like flirting with straight guys and like doing things that I just wasn't doing. And it's so weird because I never had those experiences in California. It was such like a kind of a culture shock to me, especially because it was my first semester. Um, I like, cause I had a ton of guy friends and I had a, in California too. And like none of them, thought that way or I'd never heard anything about that. So, so straight guy friends in, yeah. in California yep. were, knew you were gay and were just, yep. it was just fine. Yeah. And so it was, it was definitely weird to have that assumption made about me because I'm like, no one's ever done this before. <laughs> um, yeah. So I stopped being friends with them. <laughs> so that was, I feel like it was hard for me because I don't like not liking people and I hate, like loving everyone, but some people you just have to cut out of your life to make you happier. <laughs> and I, just, I came to that realization. Um, and I call that boundaries. You just have yeah. to set boundaries. Yep. And this semester was just like, it went from zero to 10. It was just amazing. Um, my roommates are, were like some of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, Tell us their first names. Um, Luke, Samuel, um, Hayden, Jed, and Matthew. So you're in what you're six people to room. Yeah. And, um, did you come out to them as soon as you were a roommate and were they all in, or did it come later? How did that well, just so, come about? Cause coming out <laughs> to roommates. Yeah. Um, at an LDS college can mm-hmm. be complicated. So I didn't really like. I never really come out per se. I kind of just like live and then they kind of, they usually just make assumptions and then they ask me and then I just tell them. So like that's, that's usually what happens. Um, so they were making assumptions at first. At first, at first they were negative and my roommate told me that. Um, they, I guess they were kind of like, it was just new territory for them. And so they're kind of negative about it at first, but then as time went on, they just, I think, I think a lot of the reasons why people are homophobic or just kind of hateful toward that group of people is because they have no exposure to it or positive exposure to it. Um, and 
So I, one night we were just like all talking and then one of my roommates was like, Troy, are you gay? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so they're just kind of like, okay. And so I think now that it was like out in the open and I would, they could tell that I was trying to just be friends with them. Like I'm just living my life and just trying to make friends like all of them are. I think they realize that. And yeah, so I think, I think that's why a lot of people have like preconceived things about it because they don't have any family or friends that are. And I think all it takes is just knowing someone that is to kind of change someone's viewpoint. Did these five guys withdraw from you and kind of weirded out around you or were they did were they inclusive and just kept you as part of the community in the apartment and ask you questions about being gay? Yeah. Um, at first they kind of withdrew, but then as time went on, they were just, we became really close and they, they didn't fear asking me things, which is really cool because a lot of people think they're going to like offend me or something. Um, but, and were you glad when they asked you questions? Yeah. And especially if they come forward with love instead of hatred, which they never did. So that was, it's always good. Um, so yeah, I think. What kind of questions did they ask? Just kind of like, <laughs> well, they lost, they asked me a lot about my standings with the church. Um, they asked me, um, what made me, like what made me attracted to guys. Um, just stuff like that. Um, trying to think of other things. Yeah. They were just, these um, really nice. Return missionaries or pre-mission pre or mix? Um, we, we had two post-missionaries. And then the rest were... Um, Younger than mission age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that make you feel um, just to have these five guys sort of be okay with you and glad you were there? Really good. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... I mean, I've had, I mean, like I've had, I've had exposure to that because I'm, am from California. So like the Mormons in California are a little different than up here, but it was really cool seeing that up here because it's not really the thing up, up in Idaho. So yeah. yeah, it was really cool to see loving people and yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to them. I read this <laughs> quote a lot for our listeners. Fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be in order to be accepted. Um, you did that during junior high in particular, and maybe in high school. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. And then I've got a picture here of square pegs trying to fit into round holes, and all the pegs are round except, and that maybe represents your five straight roommates, <laughs> Trey, <laughs> and they've got round holes. They can live their life, and everything lines up, but here you are, the square peg, trying to fit in a round hole, and there's a lot of tension as we're pounding you in that round hole yep. um, with the peg kind of um, fraying on the edges. And so I think of what our job is as Latter-day Saints, and I don't sit in the general councils of the church, so I don't advise the brethren what they should be doing or what potentially needs to change, if anything. But So I support and sustain them, but I recognize at a local level, I've got to do everything I can to honor President Ballard's charge to help you feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. 
And so your five roommates, I think, helped you feel like they belong. You belong because you were didn't have to fit in and pretend to be straight. You actually came out as gay. It kind of came out naturally. I think that was fine. Mm-hmm. And then they felt that you belonged because they were interested in your life, and they asked you questions about your experience. It's sort of back to some of these suggestions, potentially for local leaders. Tell me about your experience. Tell me. And some of those questions were probably a little awkward. Um, and maybe you cringed a little bit, but you just were kind enough to know they were doing the best and their heart was in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense to me that, and sometimes the gay guys I talk to when straight guys don't withdraw and just treat them the same, it is it really heals them and helps them Yep. Um, versus straight guys saying, as part of my job as being a straight guy is I've got to separate myself from gay guys. And I think that's just a maturing of our culture is that I'm confident enough in my own sexuality that I don't have to take on people of a different sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think men, straight men are, and women are doing a better job of that, particularly at your age group. Any more thoughts on that experience with at BYU-Idaho, your roommates? Yeah, I kind of just think, I think love is just the most powerful. Um, that came out weird. But basically what I'm trying to say is, um, I think you could think something's a sin and still love the person. You know what I mean? Like we've, we, like we've grown as a culture to, you know, still love people that drink alcohol or smoke or anything like that. I think we need to learn to grow, to love these people as well. And whether or not we agree with them, that isn't our business. And I think we can, we can try, I mean, we can try and teach them, but I think we just need to, and I think it, I think the reason why so many people, um, feel the need to always be like, oh, well, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin is because it feels so new. I mean, it it's not, it's been around since the beginning of time, but it's definitely become um, more accepted. And that's why more people are coming out. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful I live in this time period because <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that if we love one another and focus on love rather than trying to tell people how to live or telling people that it's a sin all the time, because we all know it's a sin. <laughs> um, or, I mean, we all know that we've been taught it's a sin. Um, but we just have to love one another. And that's what Jesus would do. And I, I'm really comfortable with that. And I guess that's what your roommates did. Yep. You know, Luke, Sam, Hayden, Jed, and Matthew, if I wrote them all down right. Yeah. <laughs> that they just said our job as roommates and fellow Christians and all the Latter-day Saints is to you know, just, you know, support, support you. Yep. Um, they probably figured you knew the doctrine of our church and they probably figured it's not their job to always remind you of that. And mm-hmm. I love the doctrine of our church and I would, you know, counsel everybody to follow it. But I do think a principle of just what Christ taught us to love um, your neighbor and support everybody's decisions as they move forward in life and just sort of leave it at the Savior's feet. Um, 
but it's complicated. You know, people worry about your eternal salvation. If, if I'm your, you know, they worry that if you start to date men and marry a man, you're off the covenant path and they worry about your eternal salvation. What would you say to people? Because that's a legitimate worry, Trey, for people that care about you or LGBTQ. What would you say um, to, just to that thought? I would just say, well, um, you know, like you can believe whatever you want to, but I know what I've felt and I know what I have seen and I just, I can't justify like, I mean, it even says in my patriarchal blessing that I'm not going to follow the secular view of marriage and but that I'm still going to um, like live a prosperous life and have an internal mindset, um, which was really cool to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I guess I would just say like not everyone's experience is yours. And I think the reason why it's still, um, I guess kind of looked at as a sin still or, you know, whatever is because I feel like the church is run by straight guys. So like they can try and understand the experience, but they'll never fully understand it. And so I still think that's why there's a lot of negativity surrounding that. Yeah. And I just appreciate you sharing your feelings. This is a, a podcast we want people to be able to share how they feel. And I, it's just a paradox for me because I recognize that um, our gay and lesbian uh, members, they have kind of three, they have four paths, suicide, which I'm glad you're off that road. Because hmm. um, that sort of, you know, takes them out of the double bind. They have this road of being a celibate for their whole life. And um, that keeps them in the doctrine of the church. And um, then they have the road of mixed orientation marriage or a same-sex marriage. And I I invite, you know, everybody stay in the teachings of our church, like I've said eight times in this podcast. Sorry, listeners, I guess you know that. But I recognize that, you know, I had an authorized path for companionship when I was dating. I knew I wasn't in a double bind. I loved the church and I had an authorized path to find companionship and have a family. And I recognize that you love the church, but you don't have an authorized path in the church for companionship. So then I just acknowledge the difficulty of your situation. Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, you have to take God with you, Trey. You have to continue to work closely with God. And if you choose a path um, in a same-sex marriage outside the doctrine of the church, um, I'm just going to leave that at the Savior's feet. I'm not going to look at you and and try to infer your station in the next life. Yeah, you're off the teachings of the church, but I, I'll, I'm not your judge. <laughs> um, my job as a fellow Latter-day Saint, I think, is to put my arms around you and just honor your journey. And if you self, if you, and I'd probably encourage you to go really slow. Um, and uh, you know, general advice I give to everybody at your age group is: if you're going to date, you've got to date people in your age group. <laughs> You know, yep. generally, um, because there's some people who are going to take advantage of kind of vulnerable um, LGBTQ people if they start, you know, dating that are 
And sometimes I see LGBTQ people connecting for the first time um, with someone that maybe is trying to take advantage of them because they're pretty vulnerable and they're looking for someone that really appreciates who they are. So I'd invite everybody to go pretty slow um, if they're going to go down that road and be pretty thoughtful and try to learn as they grow. And I would probably say God will always love you and you've got to keep working with God to know your future. And I just leave it at the Savior's feet. Are, that's, are you okay with that, what I just said, or anything yeah. triggering <laughs> yeah. there to you? <laughs> no, no, uh, it's perfect. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like you said, like we should let God do the judging. And I think our job as Latter-day Saints is to love one another. Yeah, and I love this quote from Tom Christofferson's That We May Be One. Um, and I encourage all our listeners to read that if they haven't. Um, Accepting others does not mean we condone, agree with, or conform to their belief or choices, but simply we allow the reality of their lives to be different from our own. So the reality of your situation is very different than my situation when I was your age. Um, And so I just, I, I just, and allowing you to have a different path if you self-determine that doesn't mean I condone or agree with it or conform, but just, I just allow the reality of your life to be different than mine. And I just leave that at the Savior's feet and I recognize the difficulty of your path. So um, talk about stereotypes. I think one of the things we talked about in the podcast is there's a lot of stereotypes out there. Before we went live in the podcast, there's a lot of stereotypes. Can you just talk, go through a list, some of those? Um, just when we think about, you know, we're going to talk about you in particular, a gay man, just what people instantly infer about you as a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it uh, is political. <laughs> they assume that every gay person is um, liberal or left-leaning, which, I mean, is the case for a lot but not everyone. Um, And there's also the case of LGBT people being sexualized, um, which happens a lot. And I particularly have an issue with it when, for example, like Toy Story 4 just came out and there was like, there was two moms dropping off their kid at school and people went crazy over it. (laughs) Um, Because, and I feel like, a lot of the reasons for getting mad about it is because they're like, we shouldn't be teaching sexuality to kids. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but we show straight couples on screen, like in kids' movies. It's not like they're like having sex on screen, like they're just dropping off their kid. Like, I don't know. It's just. So I very much hate the idea of it being sexualized and it being made this like agenda of like forcing people to believe something like it's just it's real life like gay people exist like it doesn't have to always be sexual like just like straight couples don't have to always be sexual that that's an interesting one for me um the first one's an interesting one for me too so that's a good one and i just think you're right people would have different political beliefs and we shouldn't just um, pigeonhole um, lgbt people one political party and one uniform feeling about every political issue in our country. So that's very thoughtful. I remember as I was thinking about your second point, sexualization, that, you know, I was thinking about the context of in a YSA ward, if I know somebody's gay and that person walks into the YSA ward and I know someone's straight and that person walks in, I should 
not go to are they sexually active for the gay guy. Yeah. I shouldn't sort of hear a gay guy and then think, is he sexually active? Just like I probably don't for the straight guy. They're both yep. just single people coming to church. And I would think that's a degree of homophobia I have if I treat those two in my mind differently. Um, I should think of them equally the same as just single LDS Latter-day Saints at church trying to do the best they can. And I shouldn't go there with a gay guy and wonder, you know, about that part of his life. I would, that's not my job. Now, if I'm a YSA bishop and both those members want to talk to me about what's going on in their life, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll have that discussion with them. But sort of, even if I were the YSA bishop or a rank and file member, I shouldn't sort of go there. Um, I shouldn't hold you to a different standard. So I don't know if that ties in with sexualization. That's just an example that came to my mind as you talked yeah. about that. Yeah, that's a good example. Talk about um, other stereotypes. Um, for, I guess, for example, the uh, like the fact that like people think that gay people can't have straight friends or like that they're hitting on straight people. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a stereotype or trope that's been around like for a long time that gay people are predatory predatory yeah and uh it's been around for the longest time they used to have um like propaganda commercials where they or like anti-gay commercials where they'd like have like a gay guy would like pick up or like give a ride to a straight guy and then like make moves on him <laughs> like um so it's based yeah it's definitely like a stereotype that's been around for a while um and i completely reject the idea that gay people and straight people like can't be friends or that they're like there's some like romantic tension because 99% of the time there's not um and i mean it's like i said like i have guy friends and i'm very lucky that i don't have to like clarify that i'm not hitting on them all the time um i think a lot of it is because i'm not like extremely feminine and i feel like that's where a lot of the um stereotypes come from is because like a guy's feminine that means that he must like be hitting on a straight guy or something um when it's just not the case so yeah just one I really like that, and I think that's a maturing of our, of our society, and I like that you say that <clears throat> I'm not, just because a guy's straight and a guy mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's, sorry, I'm just washing my mouth out good. No, with a little mineral water, <laughs> club soda, um, so that's very helpful for me, and I certainly didn't understand any of that. Um, I've shared with our listeners I'm going to our 40th um, high school reunion pretty soon, and I've been thinking about the gay guys at high school, and I wish I could do that over again because I just withdrew. And Paul died of AIDS, and I didn't know to be Paul's friend in high school. And I just wonder if Paul, if we could have put our arms around Paul and helped him to feel like he belonged, and had if we did what Luke, Sam, Hayden, Jed, and Matthew <laughs> did for Paul— if Paul would have felt enough sense of community that he would have found his place here. There were not many places you belonged back 40 years ago when I graduated from high school, except that sort of world. Um, 
I don't know what to call it, the club scene, the multiple partner scene. It, it was just, it was just not a lot of places for a, a gay person to sort of feel like they belong. And so I like some of the things you're sharing because then we keep you in our families. We keep you in church as much as we can. We have create a feeling that you belong. I sort of think sometimes I think to myself, there's lots of ways to live life off the covenant path. <laughs> I wouldn't really, that kind of goes back to I hope everybody stays. But if you're going to leave, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And, you know, back in Paul's day, there was very few ways to do that, you know. And so we lost Paul and he won't be at our 40th reunion. And we lost some other people um, that were gay and then, you know, died of AIDS. And I recognize that that's not going to be your road, Trey. Obviously, that's not going to be your road. And um, it makes me, you know, grateful that you have family around you, you have friends around you, you have a church community that loves you, um, for the most part, may not be able to create a, you know, I just don't know how it's going to work out as you marry a man and how it's going to work out in the church. I've always felt there shouldn't be a belief or behavior hurdle to feel welcome in a congregation. Um, that there's the gate is wide at that point, and I would hope everybody feels welcome in a congregation unless they're an activist yelling at the speaker. And I think the gate narrows at the temple where there's a belief and behavior hurdle. So I would hope that if you marry a man that you um, keep coming to church and that you feel welcome there. And we just look at you as a fellow um, human being that's worthy of our friendship and that we keep you in a sense of belonging so you can continue to make thoughtful decisions in your life and feel like your tribe isn't rejecting you. And because I just think that keeps you in a better spot emotionally and keeps you better connected to God and keeps you making thoughtful decisions. Any thoughts on any of that that I just shared? Um, Oh, I, did, I guess I just had a question. Do they still excommunicate for that, or do they not anymore? If you're in a same-sex marriage? Yeah. Good question. And I don't speak for the church, so I don't know. that. I mean, the handbook policy did change that uh, they would treat a couple in a same-sex marriage the same as any couple not living the law of chastity. It doesn't. It used to require a disciplinary council. It was one of the things that required a disciplinary council, and the policy statements that got reversed um, in earlier, whenever it was, a few months ago. They don't, you know, so it doesn't require the bishop to a disciplinary council, but it could happen. So um, it would just depend, you know, on the on the bishop. So it's not a requirement to a disciplinary council. And when it was a requirement, it didn't mean you're automatically excommunicated. So, you know, each bishop's going to kind of determine that. I've always felt a disciplinary council is for when someone wants to come back and fully participate in the church and versus something that I'd proactively do to somebody. <laughs> so it's sort of like if you, in this example, if you, you know, sort of lived outside the doctrine of our church, but then wanted to come back and fully live the doctrine of our church and get a temple recommend and go to the temple, then I'd sometimes I think a disciplinary council is helpful as part of the repentance process to get you fully back versus something that we just do proactively if you're feeling like this is my path and then to sort of say, well, we're going to, unless it's one of the required things in the handbook, um, like I think incest is a required thing in the handbook. Mm -hmm. So that's the best I know on that question. <laughs> but there may be people out there that have a better answer because I haven't, I'm not a local church leader currently and so I don't have access to the handbook. Good question.
Yeah. I mean, I hope I'm still welcome at church because I mean, I'd love to still go. Yeah. Um, and I would, yeah. And so I would hope you'd feel that way. Um, because I look at the doctrine of Christ, Trey, and every he made everybody feel welcome. Um, and so I would hope that you would feel the same way. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, God loved sinners too. And, you know, let, like, like let those who are free of sin, like, cast the first stone or whatever. Um, I think that's very important to remember. And... It's funny because I'll notice the hypocrisy sometimes because they'll tell me how wrong it is for me to live my life, but then they'll turn around and be like, and like have sex with a pe- or a bunch of people or do like a bunch of other sins. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so maybe we should just love one another. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I guess sins have different weight or whatever technically in the church, but I mean, it's it's hypocritical to say let's like ostracize this person or not welcome them to church because they're not living the law of chastity and then they turn around and not live the law of chastity as well so that's just always been kind of interesting to me and so i would frame it up this way i think um i like i like answering situations like you just said with doctrine or with teachings of christ and the thought that came to my mind is the moat in my eye you know, sort of cast the moat out of my eye before I see your eye. And I think one of the, if you're in a same-sex marriage, sort of everybody knows it's a kind of a, usually a public thing unless you get married privately. And you might even post it on Facebook. So everybody kind of knows that you're living outside the doctrine of the church, but why there's probably people coming to church that are living outside the doctrine of the church too at times with some of their behavior. And it's not known, you know, and we don't know what everybody's sins are um, I think Elder Uchtdorf gives this talk that he saw a bumper sticker or, um, yeah, bumper sticker. It says something like, oh, help me, spirit. It says, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I agree. I think, yeah, your sin's kind of public. Um, if you're gay, not if you're gay, it shouldn't be public if you're gay. We shouldn't, just like you said, we shouldn't, you know, go down that road. But yeah, if you're married to a man, and you post that on Facebook, then people kind of know that you're living outside the doctrine of our church. But I hope we would just say, you know, let's still, let's, I've got moats in my own eye (laughs) as a rank and file member. And I may be working on stuff that's a lot less known to everybody else. It may be a real honesty problem. It may be, you know, whatever. We could go down the list of sins. So let's not put you sort of on a pedestal where you're demonized and sort of, it's just, it's just, you know, it's who you, it's the path you've chosen to live. And we'll just, and the only person that's responsible to judge in an LDS congregation is the bishop. And so we'll let him um, at the right time be your judge and you can work with him on that. And we as rank and file members just do what Christ did and just welcome you and love you. Mm-hmm. I love this quote that I saw, we as Mormons need to stop loving others because our love will bring them back and just love others because they deserve to be loved. And I've certainly thought that that was an insightful thing, that I should have non-agenda love for you, that I just um, love you because you're worthy of love. And everybody is, unless they're ISIS trying to bomb us, you know, that's different. (laughs) 
So it's yeah. complicated, and I don't have all the answers. And if our listeners are uncomfortable with anything I've said or you've said, I think that's okay. This podcast isn't a goal to make everybody feel exactly like you do, Trey, or I do. Yeah. Um, I just want to have these kind of conversations so we can reflect on the doctrinal principles that apply and so we can do better to help everybody feel, you know, like they're worthy of love. Yeah. More thoughts on any of these things you want to share? Well, I think, I think going back to what you said, I think that's a big reason of why I did this podcast is so that people could hear my truth. And um, while they may not agree with her or they may not change their mind, like I just, I came here to just see what I think. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be very beneficial to a lot of people to hear the conversation. Um, and I think going, going back to the like uh, people, welcoming people at church. I think I take the sign. There's always the sign outside the church that says visitors welcome. And I take that very seriously because there's not an asterisk that says accept, blah, 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 blah. It says visitors welcome. And that means everyone. And as long, I mean, it's like you said, as long as they're not like yelling at people, trying to shut people down. I think that we should invite everyone. And like, I mean, personally, I don't believe that I'm doing a sin. Like I've, I've felt and I've, I've felt that for myself, but I mean, I realize other people don't feel that way, but um, it's, I mean, it's like you said, like we shouldn't judge people for their sins because they probably sin too, just privately. Um, I've, I've came across a lot of people like that where, They'll like try and condemn me for how I'm living, but then they will do some things in private that are not aligning with the church at all. So um, I just think, like, I just think at the end of the day, we just need to love one another and realize that everyone has a different journey and a different experience. And we just need to do what Jesus would do. And that's just love and. Let God do the judging. And um, Thanks for being on this episode, Trey. You've done a really good job, and I appreciate you sharing your story. And when we, before we went live, I said, how do you feel about God? And Trey just said, without it losing a beat, he said, I love God. <laughs> and I, you know, he loves you. And I love that you've kept God in your life, even though at times you've been angry with God and said, why me? I, I love that you've had the spiritual maturity to keep God in your love, life because I think that will help you as you move forward. And, I, and so when someone's going down the path that you're wanting to go in and feel as you're, I've, I'm really glad you have God and that you haven't said, well, if I go down this path and God, you know, I have to separate myself from God because I don't think there's any doctrine that would say God would separate himself from you. Um, I'm sure he's at time, and so I think he just will continue to guide you and help you. Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners, Trey? Um, I'm just really glad to be here, and I hope that all of my LGBT brothers and sisters feel loved 
and um, and that those who aren't LGBT, um, I hope I help them in some way. I understand, and yeah, I'm just I'm really grateful to be here, and I'm grateful for the church, and the role it's had in my life, and I'm grateful for um, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Trey Brockbank, for being on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Thanks for your great family, and I love your shout-outs to them, to your parents. And we didn't get a chance to talk about your siblings, but I sent you very close to your family, and I sent you're a bridge builder, and you bring people together, and you like it when people are together. Your your spirit is just very kind and and good-hearted. I don't sense—I just sense— um, a lot of desire to bring people together and 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 do the right thing. And so you have a great life ahead of you, Trey. I am so glad you're alive. Thank you. We have lost a lot of really beautiful, wonderful people, and I need people like you in my life to help me be a better disciple. I've my LGBT. It's not just me rescuing LGBTQ people. I have learned that they teach me things that really my straight friends haven't been able to teach me about love, inclusion, and reaching out to those that are the furthest on the margin. So we're better off as a church, and your family's better off, and our community's better off with you here in it, Trey, and being alive. And you have a great life ahead of you. You're going to do wonderful things. Um, I sometimes imagine my guess, if I could circle back with them for 5, 10, 20 years, and they could come back on the show and tell me the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. You have a great life ahead of you, Trey, and take God with you, and thanks for being on an episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, and thank our listeners for listening. <laughs>